African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good day. It's a new day. I'm sure that uh, you have been tuned in uh, since the morning right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us and welcoming us into African Dialogue right here at 1100 hours Central African time. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Remember, we're on a new frequency on 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV Channel 802. And uh, you can also find us uh, on our website on www www.channelafrica.co.za We're going to be looking at customary marriage and how it's incorporated in South African law. Recently with the customary marriage law uh, court case in which Lerato Singadi won to be recognized as the hip-hop rapper WHP's customary wife, the issue of traditional marriages was brought to focus. The public discussion in the mainstream and social media became about the legal process which must be observed in a customary marriage or how the process of lobola is incorporated in the country's legal system. In his judgment, Judge Mkhwatleng said that WHP and Lerato Sengadi complied with all necessary requirements under the customary law and therefore Sengadi was WHP's customary wife. This was despite the fact that the father of WHP think they didn't follow uh, certain rituals to actually confirm uh, Lerato's uh, uh, status as the wife. Uh, in his judgment, uh, Judge Mkhwatleng said that uh, WHP actually, um, they were actually recognizing their uh, their marriage with uh, Singadi due to the fact that customary law only recognizes three requirements that both the partners must be over the age of 18, Lobola must be agreed upon, and uh, there must be a certain type of celebration. Well, to help us on this particular issue, we joined on the line by Professor Numboniso uh, Gasa, who is uh, joining us. She's a senior uh, research associate at the Center for Law and Society uh, within the Faculty of Law at the University of Cape Town. Also, we've got Professor uh, Pitikan Juli, who is an expert in African indigenous knowledge systems. Now, let me start with you, Prof Gasa, in terms of looking at this particular issue, in terms of what are the circumstances which lead uh, to actually us as South Africa incorporating a customary law into uh, the country's legal framework. Uh, I I missed that. Um, Can you just repeat? I'm sorry. I was just asking you in terms of what are the circumstances which led us as a country to actually include customary law into South Africa's legal framework? Were there cases before that? What happened for us to actually formalize this? Well, I mean, most importantly, I think that post-apartheid South Africa um, and, and, and the jurisprudence in post-apartheid South Africa has been aimed at ensuring that we build a society uh, that is reflective of the composition of people in this country. Mm-hmm. So in the past, um, the, non, or the inferior status which was given to customary law meant that a lot of people, uh, particularly Af- I mean, Africans who fell uh, or who lived by customary law, who had often seen that their rights, had often seen their rights um, undermined. Mm. So part of 
a, a post-apartheid and decolonizing process had meant that, obviously, customary law as the law around which people live, majority of people actually in this country live, that it had to be re- uh, recognized and it had to be integrated in the country's um, laws. Mm. Well, we'll come back to that in terms of the nature of customary uh, marriages in South Africa because uh, there are a lot of issues that came out after this case in terms of uh, the fluidity and the nature of uh, customary uh, law in the country. Now, let me bring in Professor Pitikantuli in terms of your thoughts, in terms of have we accommodated the various cultures and traditions into uh, this law that we have because as I mentioned is that sometimes different cultures all the time actually uh, and traditions actually are very different and nuanced in terms of how they practice lobola or how they actually uh, certify customary marriage yeah I think uh, uh, you Cultures are, in a sense, taken you know, very seriously. The issue is now how are these laws actually being, uh, you know, captured? Uh, they've been captured from the Roman Dutch law that South Africa uh, uh, is based upon. Or when we are doing customary law, we really seriously and with clear intent uh, uh, look at the nature of our own societies and our own cultures, so that uh, the legalities are not going to be ambiguous. Well, let me let me bring in uh, Advocate Sabelo Sibanda maybe to answer that particular question that you are posing, Professor Antuli. Um, Advocate Sibanda, thank you for giving us your time and welcome to the program. In terms of that question that was just asked by Professor Antuli, in terms of the the the, 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 the Roman Dutch law that we actually have accommodated. Does it actually accommodate fully all facets of a customary tradition? Maybe the starting point is um, talking to Roman Dutch law itself. The Roman Dutch law has not been accommodated. On the contrary, it has imposed itself on African cultural legal prescripts. The African legal framework was totally integrated and pushed aside at the preference of a foreign system which came with it its own prescripts which have nothing to do with our Africanness. And um, even as we speak right now to the question posed, Roman Dutch law as against finding its expression and its relevance within our own African legal framework has instead 
dominated and basically has assumed itself a greater position of relevance and importance and therefore applicability. That is why you find that um, even as we speak right now, Oh, I think we've lost Advocate Sibanda there. Uh, well, I want to bring that back to uh, Professor Gasa in terms of looking at that particular uh, issue of the decolonization process in terms of the legal framework that we have actually incorporated. Uh, 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 the, the Dutch law does actually, um, uh, it, it does kind of override most of our laws. And that's the question that Advocate Sibanda is highlighting there. Do you think that there are loopholes in terms of the current uh, legal framework in relation to customary law? Almost, we need to be very careful here. Mm. Um, that, um, uh, you know, I think this notion of African legal system is very dangerous because. Mm. It, um, I understand the, 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 the uh, I understand the intention of using that, but I think that it's very important for us to to appreciate and and be very careful of falling into the trap. African customary law is not a legal system mm. uh, in the way that you would view the Roman Dutch law and and so on. But here you are talking about a system that encompasses everything, the cultural milieu, the, 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 the context in which people live, the, and, 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 and its fluidity mm. um, arises from that. It arises from the fact that people live customary law, and, um, and therefore they evolve, and it evolves. And I think if we look at it from that perspective, we will then be able to ask, answer the question, what is the relevance of customary law today. And its relevance really derives from people who practice and live um, according to the norms that are contained in that. Um, If we think of it as a system of law in the legal system, we are in fact going to have a problem of of having it frozen and having having it being seen as static. Mm. And in, in terms of that, why is that problematic for us not to have a fixed form of uh, a customary law that's uh, in, entrenched in our legal system, uh, Prof. Kasa? That's exactly the point. That's mm. why I, mm. I said we need to be careful about that. Sure, um, sure. because, because it is fluid. It is a product of culture and um, of cultural practices and life, and it also informs that. So... Um, if we have it static, then that means that it no longer is able to cater for the fluidity of society, and that fluidity and, and the fluid society will then find it difficult to, in fact, understand or to apply customary law. So the fluidity of customary law is, in fact, what gives it the, 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 the longevity, mm. the, the resilience, and it's why after so many centuries of, de- of, of colonization, why people still have been able to retain very important aspects of their lives. And I think that we have seen attempts, of course, to freeze customary law, to formalize it in the form of 
um, codification. Mm. And so what has happened with codification is that you have a whole lot of system, or a whole lot of practices and systems that have been codified and uh, resulted in distortion mm. and also denied the ability of customary law to be fluid and to respond to society, to, to society as it evolves. Mm. Very interesting points coming there from uh, uh, Professor Gasa, Professor Anduli. What are your thoughts around that, especially the contrasting? You introduced this question in terms of the relationship of uh, incorporating customary uh, law within the Roman Dutch law. And uh, uh, Professor Gasa has a very strong point there, the fact that uh, customary law shouldn't be as fixed as uh, uh, the current legal system that we, we bend to in the country. No, no, I agree with uh, Professor Edokasa. Uh, African societies are very dynamic, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, cultures. They are cultures of, uh, uh, of change. Maybe at the same time we are creating problems that uh, should not exist. Mm. But, you know, British law is based on British culture. Uh, how the British people react to it. Chinese react to their own Chinese. It's us who are just an aberration, you know, because of, uh, you know, colonialism. And to add from colonialism, coloniality where our own you know kind of rulers and our own uh, uh, you know, intellectuals uh, whose minds are held uh, you know captive within the western uh, you know framework of, of, of thinking we so much compare ourselves actually to the west to a point that we lose the very essence of uh, who we are you know as uh, an african uh, you know people as i can see that the uh, professor was there uh, uh, you know, striving to, mm. uh, uh, you, you know, to put us across. Mm. There are changes. Let's give you just one example. Uh, I, I mean, I was consulted over the issue of the deficiation in the in, in customary situation, mm. uh, you know, in the land. And the law itself was very good, you know, because uh, an idea of coming up with a juristic person who will represent the community, uh, you know, in terms of parliament, politics, and everything. The adaptation that can actually be done, if at all, uh, you know, government can get, uh, you know, very good thinking, uh, you know, people to advise it, you know, in terms of these, uh, you know, issues. You know, because wherever you turn in South Africa, the issues of Lobola, the issues of Oktuala, the issues of everything, all cultural issues are, are, are on. It's time for us to... Uh, look at proper codification that is going to reflect uh, either to the ethos uh, as well as the morality mm-hmm. of our own cultures. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to that, especially the issues of a uh, um, lot of confusion after this case of this WHP issue, uh, whereby people didn't understand in terms of uh, how uh, customary ma- marriage works in terms of its fluidity. In regard to the fact of many people in modern time don't understand how separation works, how do you actually divorce, do you do it legally, do you do it through a family framework, um, there were a lot of questions around that and also around what moment in time is it that through the process do you actually call yourselves husband and wife? Those are kind of the nuances and things that one would have thought was easy for people to understand and things that were a norm. But it seems there were various viewpoints from the discussions that came from this case. So we'll discuss those issues after this break. No matter where you go, remember the road. 
One of Africa's most impressive events, the East African Market Festival, is taking place in Johannesburg, South Africa's biggest city, during the month of November 2018, culminating the main event on the 17th of November. Hosting a selection of incredible talented musicians, a craft market, East African cuisine, and much, much more, the East African Market Festival. Bring your family and friends. Come experience East Africa. If you cannot make it, then join Channel Africa as we bring you the excitement and sounds from the event. Channel Africa, bringing you to the African perspective. Thank you for joining us. It's 23 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Uh, today we're looking at customary law and how it's incorporated into South Africa's legal uh, system. And uh, joining us is a great panel. We've got Nombuni Sokasa, Professor Nombuni Sokasa, who's a senior research associate at the Center for Law and Society within the Faculty of Law at the University of Cape Town. We also have Professor Pitikan Tuli, an expert in African indigenous uh, knowledge systems, advocate Sabelo, Sibanda is also a law and human rights expert joining us on the line. Advocate Sibanda, let me come back to you. I know that we cut you off there, but I hear that you are now back on the line in terms of this particular discussion. What was very bizarre for me looking at uh, the discussions that came out uh, from this double uh, HP uh, family versus Lerato uh, Singadi case was the fact that many people within uh, the context of the discussion that came out of this court case was people didn't even understand the culture itself of Lobola, especially from the issue of when do you actually become husband and wife? Is it when we finished paying Lobola? Is it when the ceremony is taking place? And some of those issues were actually dealt with within uh, the case. It seems also the father of WHP also had a misunderstanding of when they actually, uh, the legal framework versus of his own uh, personal interpretation of uh, uh, the Lobola process. Um, how complicated is this issue, especially when we relate to the fluidity of it? I think one of the most important um, things to appreciate is that um, in as much as Lobola is a concept within the customary law per se, there are different cultural manifestations of how exactly the practice is undertaken. So it becomes difficult to broadly generalize and say this is how mm. Lobola should be. Mm. You see, um, when Professor Kasa talks about um, fluidity, she has actually nailed it on the head. One of the reasons why we've been able as Africans to adapt and evolve is because of the fluidity within our customary law. And the mistakes that I keep hearing even now is um, talk of incorporating customary law into the current legal system. It should have been the reverse, and it should be the reverse, because the customary law is the law of the people. If anything has to be incorporated, it, what, it is what is being brought from the outside. So by right, um, the generality of the situation in as far as practices are concerned is that um, once you've gone through that um, Lobola process and they've gone through 
all the necessary um, practices that entail um, the lobola and um, the lady has actually um, been accepted by the family of the man as now a daughter in the family. Because this um, whole concept of um, husband and wife in the um, Western colonial thinking does not necessarily talk to who we are as African people. That's why we don't have a concept of brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Because what that means is that um, with my wife, her family become in-laws, which means they are a family that is imposed upon me by law. Whereas according to our own African understanding, we become one collective big family. So um, the whole understanding, the confusion that prevails right now, Mm. is like someone who is thinking in English and trying to speak closer. Mm. You have to think in closer (laughs) to be able to communicate properly in closer. So for us to be able to interpret our customary laws, let's not seek expression of our customary laws through the mind of the... Um, Roman Dutch law. Mm-hmm. We need to think about our issues from the context of our own customary law. Mm. And that okay. um, fluidity that allows us to be able mm. to do that. Prof Gasser, why I, I asked that question is because I saw kind of a different viewpoint here, especially with the patriarchal nature of uh, African tradition in itself where we saw this young lady at the back foot saying that she is the wife and the father who was saying well no you are not the wife because we haven't completed things from our side so where I'm sitting I was asking myself is the fluidity also problematic at times where sometimes most examples women are at the back foot in terms of that interpretation Professor Kasa are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Firstly, I think that uh, it's not fluidity that is a problem. Professor Kasa, are you there? I think I'm losing you there. As to whether your wife has this been uh, completed, has this process been completed, Mm. are kind of of issues that that come up when there's conflict. So the mere fact that those issues arise actually show that there is conflict already because if there wasn't a conflict and, 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 and misunderstanding and disagreement, um, they, each family knows when they recognize um, the, you know, the, their son's wife mm. or their son's husband as part of the family. Mm. So I think that if, even if you were to say, I mean, in terms of what you consider as confusion, even if you were to say, you were to write down and say, these are the steps that would mean that you are accepted as a family and therefore uh, by the family and therefore you are recognized. You would still have to look at the fluid nature of human relations. So what was the issue here is not customary marriage. What is the mm. issue, I think, is the, a, a difficult relation, relationship between the families or between the, uh, his family and, um, and, 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 and his wife. I think <clears throat> that um, the fluidity, it's very, very important that we emphasize this point, that the fluidity of customary law and the fluidity of culture is important, and it is, in fact, what has made it to exist and to survive all these years. Now, Absolutely. of course, 
there are different interpretations from family to family, from clan to clan, from community. And what the, how the Constitutional Court has dealt with this has been the notion of living custom. So it's not only to say we were practicing mm. this thing mm. so many centuries ago, mm. but mm. it's to say also what, how do you live? How does this custom manifest in, 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 in life here today? And I think if we look at how does that custom manifest in life today, you would have to ask questions about does um, his father, does my father know my husband? How have they related? And all those, and you can, in fact, arrive at a way of resolving the mm. issue by simply looking at how people live. Mm. I think one of the things that are problematic in this case, in my view, is in the fact that it was brought in court and I'm not saying it shouldn't have, but mm. it does raise um, complexities because you are taking something that manifests and that um, is, is a product of one form of life and, and, and sociocultural um, history, and you are putting it in another court, which is going to look at different lenses, even if it's going to apply customary law. We need to understand that Roman Dutch law courts, by nature, are geared to coming up with a clarity in terms of is it A or is it B, and, um, mm. and often conflictual. Sure. I think that one of the things that for me is a takeaway from this case is that we need to think about what system of appeal do we have as a country on issues of customary law. I would have thought that um, a conversation would have, is important to look at whether we can have a board of mediation mm. that will look specifically um, in terms of African customary law and, 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 and involve people who leave the custom. So if it had gone through there, perhaps there's a different kind of way in which mm. it would have been handled. Well, Professor Antuli, um, <coughs> Professor Kassa is completely correct there because even when we, the, the judge read the verdict, he highlighted various cases that where the conclusion of different cases contradicted each other due to the nature of those particular cases themselves. And that actually polarized um, some of his concerns in terms of the judge uh, because he had to actually consider various factors and come to a conclusion. Uh, But I think he used a a Supreme Court decision to override all other cases that he was considering. Um, And I think uh, Professor Gasser has a very good point there in terms of a board that will actually consult with such issues? You know, definitely. That's uh, what I also hinted out earlier. Sure. Uh, let's look at a place like, uh, you know, Swaziland. Uh, as far as I remember when I was there, it, it struck as a dual system. There were a customary courts and there were Western courts. And, and how these courts operated was totally, uh, you know, different. It came to an an extent where sometimes the person who has accused another one can also be found uh, guilty if at all they not even operated within uh, uh, the laws. So in other words, then, a dual system of uh, law in other African countries West, where you know traditional law with these fluidities that does not fit actually into uh, the other, Mm. people can choose as to whether they want to go to a uh, Roman Dutch law, or they want to go to customary law. Of course, they prevent it now when it gets on to capital crimes. So we need, actually, even in South Africa, 
you know, think of, uh, 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 you know, this uh, 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 commission, mm-hmm. an appeal, you know, court. Even now, this court, mm-hmm. if it was taken to a traditional leader, and called the chief involved in these people, the decision could have been probably even different from uh, what Judge uh, at arrived at. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to finalize the final points from our various guests. It's 11.35 Central African time. I have to let them go, but uh, let me just quickly take a break and get their final sentiments after this. Are you looking for opportunities to network with Africa's business leaders? Do you want to engage with movers and shakers and participate in master classes presented by industry experts? Then, here's your personal invitation to attend the fourth annual Africa Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum and exhibition taking place on the 8th and 9th of November in Cape Town, South Africa. If you want to register, then visit www.awiefor.com. Um.org. Again, www.awiefo.rum.org. If you cannot make the event, then don't worry. You can follow it through live broadcasts on Channel Africa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. Remember, we're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, that's our main service into the continent. But if you're listening to us uh, in some SADC countries, uh, specifically South Africa, we're on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio channel. And uh, you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Very interesting conversation we've been having with our guests. Uh, let me wrap it up with getting their final sentiments as we look at uh, really some of the nuances that have to deal with customary uh, law. Uh, let me start this part with you, Advocate Sabelo Sibanda, in terms of your final uh, thoughts. How do we make sure that we do actually have this complementary system that both Professor Kasa and Professor Nduli have been talking about? I'm sure we probably need another process in terms of making sure how that will be facilitated, even if or if, rather, we endeavor on that particular uh, pathway? No, I, I fully um, support the position of um, some sort of um, parallelism where people have the ability to choose which system will govern their affairs, whether they go the customary route or they take the foreign-imposed route. And with a clear proviso, that whatever you have chosen, you will die by that sort. If you're not happy, you cannot switch over to another um, framework and Mm. say, now I want my issues governed by this framework on the same um, subject matter. And then I would say as well, if we have um, the sort of um, appeal commission or body or whatever, it must also be very much alive to the fact that we have different um, cultural practices in as far as some of these things are concerned. So the composition would have to take um, full cognizance of the fact that there has to be a broad representation with a matter coming from a particular culture group 
being presided over by a person from that particular group. Thank you very much. Mm, thank you so much, uh, Advocate. Let me uh, bring it to uh, Professor Kasa. I don't know if you're still there. I know I'm yeah, over time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are your final uh, conclusions? I know that now we're imagining new ways of legal systems, uh, but I'd like to get your final sentiment. Well, I, I think that um, it's very important, actually, to continue with this system that, that integrates all different legal systems and offer people um, um, you know, the right to use what uh, it works with them. Okay. I think that um, what is important here also is that we should not have a parallel system because um, I think it's important that we, we, we keep the system as it is, but what I'm saying is that when it comes to these kinds of cases, that it's important to actually have a board within our judicial system. Um, the rest of the conversation, I think, is going to continue being complex because when there's contestation, there's contestation. We can't wish that away. Thank you so much, Professor Kasa. Uh, your final sentiments, Professor Ntuli? No, me, I, me, I'll be very, very brief. When you do customary law, customary anything, it is very advisable to do it in our own languages. For the nuances that uh, the languages themselves, uh, you know, actually carry, uh, are, are, are very, very, very important. And I think that is what that uh, fluidity that uh, Professor Kaza was so ably able to put across to us. Well, thank you all for giving us your time. Thank you to Advocate Sabelo Sibanda. Thank you to Professor Numboniso Kasa and Professor Ntuli for giving us their time. It's been a lovely discussion. Thank you all for your contributions. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Great. Great sure. Well, uh, that takes us to 11.40 Central African time. Uh, the, the very interesting conversation there. Kind of slight offshoots in terms of differences, in terms of approach. But what are your thoughts? Remember, we want to hear what you think of our programming, what you think of this show. Remember, you can do that by giving us your, your thoughts on our WhatsApp number on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven, Or you can give us uh, your thoughts maybe in a more detailed format via email. Our email address this is info at channelafrica.org. Well, let's listen to some music. This is Mondling Obo, and this one is titled Makoti.
Yeah. 